This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. Hi, sir. Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show about the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things that don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru. I'm the TOS editor for the network. With me today, as always, is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Good. It's good. So we're here again. And we're actually going to talk about Star Trek, like the, the content of, of Star Trek episodes. Which is I'm, really, I'm sure some people are disappointed about that. Yeah, I know. It's really kind of boring when you think about it, but whatever. <laughs> to each his own. I mean, seriously, I was editing last week's episode, and I was stopping like, I forgot about that. That's really cool. <laughs> Hopefully some people enjoyed it. I know a lot of people are like, what is this? Why are they doing this? <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's part of Star Trek. It's an interesting it part, if you ask me. So, whatever. So this week, I thought that we'd just get together and talk about our top five episodes from season one of the original series to narrow it down even further. Yeah. I mean, it, it it seems like a good idea to kind of say like, hey, these are our favorites, you know. It, it makes sense to go through season by season. Although at the same time, I am absolutely dreading when we get to season three because <laughs> I don't think I can find five episodes. We're going to have the same like. five episodes because there's only five uh, good ones. <laughs> I don't know which five you're talking about because <laughs> I can think of two. So... Okay. I don't know. Maybe it'd be the ones we get the most enjoyment out of. It's <laughs> That's an even worse. <laughs> Let's, how about the ones we get enjoyment out of? How about of? the ones that we remember what happened in? How does, <laughs> we how does that list. sound? <laughs> I yeah. remember that episode. All right. Number, Sometimes I'll look at the list three. of third season episodes and be like, what? <laughs> it was really bad. Really bad. Like Requiem for Methuselah. I mean, that's a great title, and it is actually a decent episode, but you sometimes you look at it like, what? What episode is that about? The only thing I remember about that episode is that it aired on Valentine's Day in 1969. The only reason why I remember that is because there's a line about it in Free Enterprise. Oh. But if you were to ask me, like, <laughs> what's the plot of Requiem for Methuselah? I'd be like, I have no idea. <laughs> sorry sorry i'm well, out we're not there yet all you, right you have time to study up on it so season one top five do you want to work from the bottom up and go back and forth maybe yeah i'd say let's start at number five and work our way down and if someone has a uh a title higher on the list then we'll hold off and and, and talk about that you know okay yeah so go ahead so what's my number five yeah all right my number five is balance of terror you know what my number five is? What's that? Balance of Terror. Awesome. We're on the same page. Yes. High five. This is creepy. Yeah. <laughs> we actually did it, we too. We actually tried you guys to do a high it. five through the camera, so that was <laughs> embarrassing, but whatever. <laughs> 
So Balance of Terror, yeah. So why do you like this episode? I like Balance of Terror because it's 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 a big episode. It's like uh, you know, it's a movie in in fifty minutes. It's got the it's got drama, it's got a wedding, it's got uh, love, it's got racism, it's got you know Mark Leonard, it's got explosions and comets, and it's just got everything. It's really cool. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I I, I kind of love in 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 movies and everything like that is uh, genre bending, where mm-hmm. you take like a a thing and you put a spin on it to make it something else, or if you mash two genres together or something. And this is totally a submarine movie, but in space, and uh, even more so, I think, than than Wrath of Khan or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, so so that you know using that sort of like formula i think is really cool and then using it to introduce like you're saying these big concepts like you know racism and stuff like that and also introduce you know we got the romulans out of it which is pretty pretty cool i mean all these things and yeah and the, the, just the structure and everything is so great like with the wedding starting off with that wedding and then ending with it and sort of using that as a way to to bookend the story and really hammer the point home. I mean, it's it's really, really solid stuff. So I guess it's my turn to start, and my number four is not going to be your number four. Okay, what is it? Because my number four is Arena. Okay, that's... Which yeah. I'm sure is higher on your list. That, that is higher on my list. My, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to yours. Then. Yes, yes. Well, my number four is Space Seed. Okay. Um... Space Seed, for some reason, didn't make it in my top five. It's weird because, like, thinking about it, I'm like, you know, I don't, I'm not, I mean, like, we talked about this with, with Andy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't really think this episode is as good as people remember it to be. I think that it pe- has memorable characters. Yeah. But it, it, the episode itself is kind of. Pe- people, yeah. I think, are remembering it more than anything because of Wrath of Khan. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. the reason why people like it so much is because they're looking at it in that context. But if you look at it on its own, it has a few problems. But that being said, I think that it also is really interesting to see uh, this sort of, you know, big bad guy, you know, and, and, and the character of Khan, I think, is really interesting. And, uh, yeah, I, I also like the idea that it's sort of like filling in the gaps of our of our history, you know. Mm-hmm. Saying like in the '90s there was World War Three and these people took over and uh, uh, so all of that stuff I think is is pretty damn solid. Yeah, it it's important to the canon, mm-hmm. especially future canon, but also past canon because you get a glimpse of the '60s future and and how it may have played out. Yeah. So what's your number three, Drew? Okay, so my number three is surprisingly even to me Corbomite Maneuver. Okay. That, that I would I would put it down so low because I'm pretty sure we started this series with me saying like it's my favorite episode, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I think upon some reflection and because we didn't specifically say no city on the edge of forever, uh, I, I I moved it down to third. Uh, I still think it's a very solid episode, a great episode to start with, even better I think than the pilots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the character interaction. I think it it just it starts off. It's got a mystery that ends up being Clint Howard, 
and I, I just, I like it. I really, really like it. Drinking Tranya and laughing and giving crew members away. And <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting because it does one of those things, and it's like right off the bat, it does one of those things that that Star Trek is is kind of all about, you know, in a way, which is not uh, taking things at face value, not you know judging a book by its cover or or, or, mm-hmm. or anything like that, you know, and and sort of realizing that there is you know infinite diversity and infinite combinations and and you shouldn't just prejudge things based on you know how how they appear you know you should actually right. uh investigate them and get to know them before you you make your opinions of them it could be behind that big scary puppet is an even scarier child <laughs> <laughs> yes yes that could be that could be but that is a very good episode i do like it all right, what's your number three then? My number three is the cage. Uh, Ooh, yeah, it, I, it's one of those weird things where you know I think lots of times when I'm watching it, I'm just kind of like looking at the differences and and similarities between that and and what the series became, and and sort of looking at it more from a uh, 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 a development standpoint than anything else, but. When you stop and, and actually look at you know what's going on and, and this just the story, it's really really solid. You know, it really mm-hmm. is cerebral, like the uh, the network was saying or or whatever, and and uh, it gives you a lot to think about. And I do like seeing uh, sort of you know, different characters and 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 stuff like that, and and how they interact and and sort of this alternate reality for the show. And also, I, I think that, that while the character of Pike is certainly a version of Kirk, um, some of the, the differences are uh, interesting in terms of that, that character, you know, like the choices that yeah. they made. And, and, and I think that it's, it's cool to see uh, someone else other than Kirk in command. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the cage, but uh, as like a science fiction story, I think that it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, is it necessarily, I mean, I guess it does fit into the canon. I mean, thanks to Menagerie, they actually put it in the canon, but, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's not my favorite, but, uh, I can, I can see why, why people like it. Cause it's very big. Yeah. Very almost, almost movie like, uh, for, for the budget and stuff. It's impressive that they were able to pull out what they did. Yeah. Yeah. So so we're on to number two already? Yeah. Okay. Uh, my number two is uh, Devil in the Dark. Mm. Okay. I think that, again, you know, Corbin Knight was at the top, but but talking about Devil in the Dark and, and thinking about it more, I, I'm putting it right up there because I, I feel like it's, it, sure, it's, it's, you know, cheesy. It's got the, you know, the carpet that's crawling around and I want to meet that guy. Why isn't he at the conventions? Yeah, yeah. The man who played the Horda, and he just has the costume hanging next to him or something. But, you know, it, it's goofy, and, and it's one of those things that if you look at it without paying attention, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. But it, it, it's really deep and talks about you know, judging, again, like you said about Corbin, about judging a book by its cover, and that maybe we're more alike than we realize even creatures that are completely unlike us. Uh, there's still something about them that, that we can relate to that, that they can also be mothers. They can also be 
caretakers and that that life is important to preserve even if you don't understand it and it's dangerous it's still something that's worth a second look and uh, i really like that one the dark yeah it's one of those episodes that for me whenever i hear someone talk about it and they're like this is one of my favorites it, it always kind of like takes me by surprise for for mm-hmm. for a minute and i'm like wait what that one because it's not something that you ever really talk about you know it's not like one of the big episodes that end up on in marathons or anything like that but it is you know very highly regarded by most people and i can definitely see why it's just one that never really comes to mind for me and i don't really know mm-hmm. why that is i think maybe the end result of the episode is is really really cool but the the journey itself isn't necessarily that great Mm-hmm. I, I I think that might be be part of it for me. I mean, I do definitely think it's a good episode, but it it never really stands out to me as being one of the best. And yet, when I hear people explain why they think it's one of the best, I can totally understand why that is. Although I do think that it's weird. Obviously, this is something that people always bring up, but it's like in this episode, they're like, "We can't kill this thing. We need to understand it, even though it's different from us." And just because we don't understand it doesn't mean and then in every other episode, they're like, well, this thing is going to destroy the ship, so we might as well just blow it up for our own sake. You know, I mean, yeah. it's like, I don't think that anyone else watched this episode either. Well, <laughs> that's well, that's a, a Star Trek thing. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. in, in Next Generation and Voyager, they're always like, you know, every week they're like, we need to preserve life. And the other week they're like, oh, shoot it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it is a good episode. Isn't that thing from The Outer Limits originally? I've heard that, and I've seen the pictures of the, the creature that it's that The Outer Limits it supposedly is using the same pieces, but I don't see enough resemblance that, that, that it would be the case. Oh, maybe they, maybe they repurposed it. Maybe it's like that thing where, uh, I forget what it was, I think it was for Nemesis, where like Michael Kuda is on the 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 commentary and he's talking about the the table in the observation lounge and he's like this is the same table that we used on the show we just changed the legs and uh the top and it's like <laughs> okay well if you ch- so so <laughs> then the same table <laughs> so maybe maybe there was some of that going on some redressing you know repurposing for maybe it was uh, like inside out or something yeah yeah all right so what's your number two then if it's not Devil in the Dark. My number two is The City on the Edge of Forever. Is that your Which n- is my number one. Okay, cool. This works out perfectly. Yeah. So why is this your favorite episode? This episode, I think, as much as I complained about the cage being, uh, you know, just a, a science fiction story, I, I feel like City transcends Star Trek. I think that it's so good that it deserves to be at the top. It deserves to be number one. Maybe because it's not the typical Star Trek episode. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like, the, that it's just so well-written and acted and you, and you feel for the characters that it's probably the most important episode of Star Trek. Even if you don't think that it's the best episode of Star Trek, I think it's the most important. And... The message still applies for today, and it's just so good. I mean, I watch it every time, and I cry, you know, at the end. There's just, 
I, I, I can't say how much I can't express it. I can't express how much this episode means to me. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's weird because like you're saying, it's not a typical episode, you know? And in some ways, like, I almost feel like I can't say it's the best because it is so atypical that it's almost not Star Trek. I, 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 right. know, I know that sounds weird and everything, and, and it's something that I, I definitely fight against. And it's just kind of like one of those things where if it were more space-based, if there was more stuff going on on the ship and everything mm-hmm. like that, I might um, feel differently about it. And I mean, I still hey, I still have it at number two, you know, for the season. So it's not like yeah. I, I hate it or anything like that. But there's just something about that. Like, I, I think about this a lot with... Uh, different um canons and stuff like that throughout uh history you know well movie history or or tv history or whatever or like like with batman you know where it's like everyone says that dark knight returns is like the number one batman story which i think is kind of crazy um for different reasons but also like i always think of like well but if you're going to show someone just like one Batman book is not going to be Dark Knight Returns because he's all old yeah. and it's all he's old. Weird. He doesn't detective. It's really yeah. weird. I have it. It's I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> like year one, I can see, you know, and I guess that's different from, you know, there's a difference between like best and, and most representative, you know, mm-hmm. um, but there's just something about that. It's hard to separate the two at times. And, and lots of times I, I love how like, I, I wish that more often things would get away from, you know, the place that they they usually exist and, and become crazier. And certainly that's mm-hmm. what City on the Edge of Forever does. But uh, I, I don't know. There's just something about that which makes me not capable of putting it at number one on this list. Yeah. I, yeah, I know what you mean. Which is why I'm kind. I kind of feel conflicted that I have it at the top, but I feel like, like I said, it like transcends mm-hmm. the genre, even. Yeah. So that that's my number one, and your number two, and your number one is Arena, of <gasps> course. I know <laughs> because it's got corn in it, you know. Yeah. I mean, what else do you need? But no, I mean, like we, we were saying, and I'm sure I've said this before, but in a lot of ways, this is sort of like the quintessential episode of Star Trek because it's got everything which Star Trek is known for, the original series. You know, you've got the space battle. You've got the uh, the battle with, with an alien in hand-to-hand combat, you know, on an away mission, you know, putting pieces together and figuring things out and and uh, and, and trying to solve this pu- puzzle. You've got the the omnipotent being who's pulling the strings. You've got, uh, you know, a moral lesson at the end. It has all of these things. And it's also got the Gorn. And, I mean, that's just <laughs> the best thing ever. I, I love it because it's so cheesy and yet perfect. You know, it's, there's like this weird thing where lots of times Star Trek hits this middle ground where it's like, that effect was cheesy, but it wasn't so cheesy that you can laugh at it. It was just cheesy in in the way that, you know, these days it doesn't really hold up. You know, but mm-hmm. with with the Gorn, it's like it's so cheesy where it's like even back in 1966 or 67, 
I would have been like, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> but you just you just got to, you know, love it and go with it. And, and, and it's become, you know, iconic. And it's just it's just my happy place. The Gorn is my happy place, <laughs> I guess. Well, I have to say that your your opinions on this episode is what brought it into the top five for me. Oh, cool. Uh, before we started this whole podcast thing, I I don't know, I probably would have just picked something random to to be to be my you know fill out my number five, but yeah, you've really opened my eyes to Arena and how it is kind of the quintessential you know it's got almost everything that you need except for you know Kirk having to make out with the girl in order to solve the puzzle. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't destroy a computer either, but he doesn't talk a computer to death either. Yeah. Which is is disappointing. I think I think with a couple changes we could probably rewrite it. <laughs> well, maybe if, he, if if the Metrons, which whatever they're called, sorry, sorry, whoever wrote in <laughs> tried to correct us on that. If the big bad aliens or the big omnipotent aliens at the end were a computer, then Kirk could have talked it to death, but somehow distracted it because it was also a girl. I don't know. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I it's it's I'm wondering if maybe uh Mike Johnson and company can uh, rewrite it when they're when they're doing it for the uh the comic book in the new JJ verse continuity so that mm-hmm. they can include some like a female computer thing. <laughs> maybe. You never know. I don't know. I'm I'm uh, several months behind on those comics, so uh, yeah, me too. I they may have read already the last covered that arc, so I need I need to do that. I need to check that out. Yes, this Q Gambit looks interesting. Yeah, I'm holding off. I I always wait until like the storyline has finished, and then I read it all at once, because um, otherwise I you know read one issue in five minutes and then forget it. You know, by the time mm-hmm. the next one is out, so so I'm going to hold off on that. But yeah. I don't know if you saw it. It was uh, kind of interesting. Someone was complimenting Roberto Orsi on the comics and saying like, "Hey, so like, what exactly do you do on them?" And he's like, "I, I'm just a sounding board, you know, for for Mike Johnson's crazy ideas, and you know, he he <laughs> deserves all the credit on those." So it's kind of interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm sure he's not running around like Lucas did and be like, "No, no, no, you can't have Boba Fett do that." Right, I'm sure it's it's more than anything. It's just him being like, "Uh, how about you don't put that in there because I'm going to be putting that in the next movie." You know? And did you hear the story about the Darth Maul video game? I did. <laughs> yeah, where yeah, he, uh, like they were having a meeting, you know, a concept meeting, and Lucas comes in and he he starts playing with some of the toys and making them talk to each other, and he he points them toward each other and says, "They're friends." And it's like, apparently it was some ancient Sith from thousands of years ago, thousands of years previous, and Darth Maul. And so they were told never to tell him no. So they they just, they rewrote the whole game. I mean, of course, the game never happened. <laughs> but uh, they rewrote the whole game because Lucas started playing with the toys that they had laying out. I mean, I guess Orshi doesn't do that. No, I don't He's think not so. walking into the comic book things and he's just like, think or she understands the star trek characters more than lucas understands i mean to, to be honest that freaking sith from you know two thousand years before darth maul is something somebody else made up and he's probably never heard of him before yeah i'm sure that's true yeah i'm sure orsi is much more in touch with 
with the Star Trek universe than Lucas is with the Star Wars universe these days. But yeah. what can you do? Did you hear that story that Ron Moore told about when he was writing the uh, Star Wars live action show? No. He was like, yeah, you know, I'm up at the ranch or wherever he was. And he's like, I'm in a meeting with George Lucas. And we got into this huge debate over whether or not Darth Vader would do a specific thing. And he's like, we're going back and forth. And I'm saying he would totally do this. And Lucas is saying, no, he wouldn't. And then I had to (laughs) stop and just go, I'm arguing about what Darth Vader would do with George Lucas. (laughs) maybe i should just shut up but on the flip side you know it's quite possible that ron moore has a better handle on darth vader than george lucas does so could be yeah and the big thing to take away from that is it sounds like darth vader was going to be in that live action star wars series (sighs) anyway that's neither here nor there no but it was Ron Moore was involved with Star Trek, so it wasn't a complete and total tangent. You brought it halfway back around. Yeah, close enough. Okay, so so we're looking at these things, and you know, even if I think we were to look at each other's lists, even though we do have different episodes on there, it's I would say we would agree that they're really solid lists, right? Yeah. I mean, the idea that even for me, you know, Balance of Terror is the number five episode on a season of television you know, any season of television, aside from maybe like The Wire or something like that, is crazy because that episode is insanely good. And I think it's really interesting how, I mean, I don't know, I guess we'll get into this, you know, when we do season two, but season one of of the original series was incredibly solid right off the bat, whereas the other uh, Star Trek series, if you ask me, maybe took a little bit of time to uh, warm up and, and get the feel for what they were doing. So, yeah. I mean, how do you think that uh, the original series, season one, compares to season one of the other shows? You're right, in that season one of Star Trek just seems more thought out, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's weird reading reading all the behind-the-scenes stuff and how it was like, what episode can we get done first? You know, this guy still needs to finish his script, so let's push back his dates. And I think it's one of those art through adversity kind of things. Mm-hmm. And maybe in the later seasons they were... Yeah, I know TNG was, was, you know, everybody was against it at first and they had to prove themselves, but I don't think they did a very good job of it. But the it, it's kind of the art through adversity, like, like the original Star Wars, you know, the, because of the problems... Uh, and them working through it, I think, made it better. And I, I feel like uh, Star Trek Season 1 uh, is also like that. Quality-wise, I would say it's it's probably the best first season of, of all of them. TNG really feels like uh, uh, Season 4 of Star Trek. I mean, a lot of the... I mean, a lot of the scripts are, you know, scripts that they were going to use for Star Trek Season 4. Deep Space Nine has some weird stuff, and I feel like they were trying to be like, "Well, look, we're not next generation, and we need to, you know, look at this, look at this weird stuff we can do over here that we can't do on next generation." And Voyager does the opposite. Like, look how much not like Deep Space Nine we are. Mm-hmm. And then the problem with Voyager season one is it makes a lot of promises. Uh, it, it's writing a lot of checks that its body can't cash. 
like, oh, you know, we've got this dramatic conflict between the Maquis and the and the and the Federation, and it really just doesn't pan out. Yeah. Uh, but that's looking at it in comparison to the whole thing. Standalone Voyager season one's not bad. Uh, I don't think. No, it's not. Enterprise bad. season one's not terrible either. No. It's got some hits and misses, but I think at that point they were just like, it's Star Trek. People watch it. <laughs> yeah, and and that's the thing. I mean, this this analogy isn't uh, super duper strong, but the, the the beginning part is what I'm getting at here. Um, J- Jimmy Iovine, Iovine, Jimmy Iovine. Mm-hmm. He's a, a record producer. He just worked okay. with everyone from Tom that Petty guy. to Bruce Springsteen to Eminem or whatever. And he he's he's talked about how like um, if you look at like people's works you know artists works like the first album that they release is stuff that they've been working on their entire lives you know they've been waiting to get a Mm. record deal and they've been developing this for as long as they've been playing the second album is stuff that they came out with in like the span of a year you know and it's usually crap you know you hear about the sophomore slump and all that stuff and then it's the third album which is really strong because now they they can sit and reflect and they're not trying to just pump out new material and it's usually something really you know heartfelt or whatever but what he's saying about the first album you know i think that's kind of true about the first season of star trek you know i mean people have been talking about how you know right now we're it was 50 years ago that the the pilot for the cage was produced and mm-hmm. it was another 2 years until that first episode aired and he was writing stuff before the pilot of the cage so he had been working on season 1 of the original series for like a good 3 years minimum probably longer right. than that so you have all those ideas and you know not wanting to hold on to them for fear of not having a second season um you throw everything into that first season and i think that that's one of the reasons why this first season is so great by the time you get to the first seasons of the other shows you're trying to figure out how to do star trek still you know Mm -hmm. whereas this is just like we've got this amazing idea and now let's just vomit it all out onto the screen, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it ends up being one of the best seasons in television history. I agree. Well, it was fun talking about season one today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. So here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. Everything that we do has to exist inside of this little box this window yeah if you will right and you can you can do whatever you want inside there but once you step outside you know it's the real world earl gray that's you know what i mean and then star trek 5 is all about crapping all over the rest of the movies (laughs) (laughs) axanar the official podcast when you're in the edit bay as soon as you put one image next to another it's this instant gratification. It's this great creative jolt, which happens every time you start juxtaposing your images. And when you start seeing things fall into place, it's, it's really galvanizing and it's really thrilling, actually. And I love feeding off that kind of, of energy. The Ready Room. Well, you know, time is not really linear, Char. So the monkey, he's always been there and he always will be. <laughs> I take the Janeway stance on time travel. It gives me a headache. The orb. Batman also creates 
a contingency plan for all the other superheroes just in case something goes wrong with them. So, it so what does he do for the Wonder Twins, for example? Like, how is he going to take them out? If- um, I think he just separates them eternally so they okay. can't smack their hands together. To the journey! We have like a whole bunch of geek aliens, like they're wearing their own superhero t-shirts, they're eating <laughs> Hot Pockets, they have headphones oh on, and they're all in their own little, you know, 24th century room, but they're like, dude, dude, I totally just pwned the Voyager. Commentary, Trek stars. And underlines the goal of Prexy Gail Berman to re-energize the pipeline while revitalizing the PAR brand with top-tier talents such as Abrams. I love Trace. You have They're no so... idea what you're saying at this point. Warp 5. He can put her mind at ease about these kinds of things because he can just, you know, you know how Trip is. Like, let's, you know, let's have some catfish and, like, just hang out. You know <laughs> I was just thinking that. Continuing mission. We actually spoke with uh, CBS legal team, and uh, that was one of the things that we that we had told them is that we all of our visuals were all original scenes all of our animation was going to be original all of our music would be original so we would not be stealing any content from the original era mm-hmm. and and they liked that a lot literary tricks and i just love that because it is very true you know picard in some ways kind of has that yodaness about him where he will kind of speak in a riddle and he wants you to figure it out And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Just visit Trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. I'd like to read some feedback. We got a message from Nick. Nick in Santa Monica. And Nick says, after the... Oh, sorry. This is not the one I wanted to read. It's the one we got to yesterday, which is weird. Okay, sorry. We've got some feedback I'd like to read. This is from Brad in Virginia. And Brad says, Hey guys, you forgot another canonical racism reference. Referring back to our our racist episode. Well, not our racist episode. Our episode on racism. Brad continues, Probably one of the most obvious calling outs of it in the entire original series, and that was Balance of Terror. When Mr. Stiles was sniping at Spock, we know what they look like. And Kirk calls him out and tells him to leave that attitude in your quarters. There's no room for it on the bridge. Full disclosure, I'm black and in my 50s. This means that I grew up in the late 60s and 70s, so I've encountered obvious racism growing up in downstate Illinois. I find today that racism is much more subtle, but no less rampant. You should really check out the hour-and-a-half interview that John and Kidd did with Miss Nichelle Nichols, whom I'm assuming Mission Log Pod. She's had some very interesting views and stories about racism, how Jean dealt with it, and so on. It's a great supplement to your podcast on the subject. Regards, B. Yeah, thanks, Brad. Yeah, I can't... Yeah, I've not listened to that interview. No, I can't believe that we haven't... Uh, we, we forgot to mention Balance of Terror. That's kind of terrible on our parts. Yeah, I felt really <laughs> stupid when I read his message. I'm yeah, like, I was like, uh, dang it. Maybe we should just let Brad do the show from now on. <laughs> Because obviously, <laughs> I almost wanted to take the take it down, take the podcast down, insert yeah. a discussion, and put it back up, and be like, "What are you talking about? We talked about it. What are you talking about?" Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it is interesting, you know, what what Nichelle Nichols has to say and everything like that. I just read something just the other day. I I don't know. I don't remember where I saw it, but something about how uh, um, apparently um, Leonard Nimoy 
was fighting with the network or someone um, trying to make sure that Nichelle Nichols got uh, you know equal pay as as everyone else because someone wanted to not give her equal pay. Ew. That's crazy, right? I mean, yeah. But uh, I guess that's well, I guess that was the business at the time. Probably the business still today. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Like Brad said, it's not. I mean, racism is still very here. It's just a little more subtle than, yeah. you know, separate. Or sometimes sometimes not so subtle if you take a look at what's going on in uh, Missouri right now, you know? Yeah. It's kind of crazy. All right. Well, let's tell everybody where they can contact us if they'd like to share their thoughts on today's show. You can go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose Standard Orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab on the left-hand column of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and our other listeners on our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? Uh, you can find me right here on Trek FM doing commentary Trek Stars uh, with my friend Max. You can also find me um, on Twitter at mumbles3k. And you can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E. And you can find me on this week's Ready Room, where we talked about the Enterprise incident. And and next week, you can find us in Atlanta at DragonCon. Yep, me and you and Max, and, and it'll be great. Two whole podcast crews <laughs> consisting of three people because Mike's on both. Yes. But uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, we hope... That the, the people come out, come to see all of the famous people and, and wave to us if you'd like. Yeah, yeah. But if you want our autographs, uh, I, I charge $5. <laughs> 005, $5. Oh, see? makes sense, makes sense. Or maybe five cents. I haven't decided the inflation rate. Ah, you'll figure it out. Before we let you all go, we'd like to ask you to please support our sponsor that helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week. And our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, do you have something for everyone? Yes, I have a, a book which looks at the early days of the original series crew, even before season one. And that's Star Trek, the Kobayashi Maru, written by oh. Julia Eklar and narrated by James Doohan. Um, it's unabridged. And they, Excellent. they say, The Kobayashi Maru is the test given to cadets at the Starfleet Academy, a simulated no-win situation in space. Now the Starfleet officers share with each other the painful, often fierce lessons of their Kobayashi Maru as each man struggles to tap his inner strength and to overcome the most desperate situation of their careers. Featuring a dramatic reading by James Doohan and enhanced with sound effects and an original score. And you can get this book for free since you listen to Standard Orbit. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, or maybe that latest novel from your favorite author. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trek.fm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trek.fm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek.fm. And there's another way you can help us keep in orbit. 
and that's by donating directly to the site. If you go to trek.fm slash donate, you'll find eight original alien illustrations by Tobu Ushi. Uh, they're available as badges and art prints, and there are different contribution levels for you to choose from. Just let us know what you would like in which format. Again, you'll find them at trek.fm slash donate, and your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each week. Well, that was good. Uh, we'll have to continue our uh, discussion with Season 2 at, at some other point. I don't know about comparing it with Season 2s of other shows, because they actually gained quality the longer they were on. Yeah, like Next Generation? What? Right. <laughs> oh, and Voyager? What? No. No, I mean... Okay, season two, maybe and, they were still finding their Enterprise? feet, but yeah, let's compare season three of, of original series with season three of Deep Space Nine. Okay, that's true. That's true. This, see, this is not fair. But see, it will be an interesting comparison. Okay, maybe we will. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir.